work in food service industry, I've noticed, is very underpaid for a lot of really hard work. Welcome to WFSU's Perpetual Pandemic Podcast. I'm Gina Jordan. Businesses continue to post signs and announcements on social media about the need for workers. They're adjusting business hours and even closing a day or two a week. The problem is particularly prevalent at retail stores and restaurants. Priya Odakari attends Florida State University and has been working since her sophomore year of high school, first at a restaurant, then a bookstore cafe. I got paid nine an hour there, and I had um, pretty good experience. And I had asked for $10 an hour instead of $9 an hour, and corporate did not approve it. So that was something that really spurred me on to like look for jo- other job opportunities. Odakari got a new job working part-time at a private school, making $13 an hour. She lives with a family member who is immunocompromised, and she says between the low pay and the risks of COVID-19 infection, she's not likely to return to food service work. Knowing when other people are sick, like all of a sudden that needing to be my business has become pretty important. Like I would like to know if a coworker of mine is having symptoms of COVID. Yeah, like COVID protocols are super, super important, how safe everyone is. Odakari blames the pandemic worker shortage on low wages during uncertain times. I think we would say that the labor supply has shifted to the left, which means there's fewer people to uh, work at any given wage rate. And one of the factors is fear. People don't want to risk their lives, and they know there's a pretty good chance of getting the COVID virus in a hospitality or a restaurant type of setting. Jack Fiorito is a management professor at Florida State University's College of Business. Aside from the fear factor, he notes the workforce has shrunk, with more than 700,000 deaths in the United States attributed to COVID-19, and many people who got sick are still recovering. So that in itself shifts the labor supply curve to the left and means you have to pay more to get the same number of workers you did before the pandemic. A lot of people are forced into dependent care or strongly encouraged to provide dependent care. So parents are having to scramble. Sometimes it's children having to take care of elderly parents. Uh, and they may be reluctant to put them into nursing homes, which at least in the early days of the pandemic were a prime hotspot for spreading the COVID virus. People wanting to wait it out until they're more confident that it's safe to go back to work. I mean, people are doing rational calculations and saying, Yeah, I I could use the money, but if I get sick, I'm not going to have any income. Regarding that wage issue, workers in low-paying jobs are barely treading water. Fiorito notes wages haven't kept up with inflation. If you look at the minimum wage as of 1971, 50 years ago, it was $1.60, and that wage today would be $10.52 an hour. So real wages have, have fallen. There's been a growing gap over time since the 1970s between labor productivity and what labor is compensated with. And those should be linked more closely together, according to theory. But hopefully, the reality will catch up with theory over the next few years. The widespread labor shortage has the attention of leaders at Tallahassee Community College. They've issued their own urgent call for instructors. They've also created an initiative called Workforce Connections and they're funding it with $500,000 worth of scholarships. 
The first occupation available for training through the initiative is medical assistant. Kim Moore is vice president for workforce innovation at TCC. We chatted via Zoom. We really wanted to look at what are the key areas that we know that there is a definite need locally that we want to relieve some of the tension. And healthcare became that place. Um, healthcare, they're the front line. And though we often and have always talked about nursing being, you know, critical need, critical need, and it still is, we now know that the assistants and frontline workers are even more so. Um, that's why we started with the medical assistant. Um, occupation, both from sheer demand, but also knowing just how hard it is to get those filled. And that if you were to ask whether it be hospitals or um, primary care physicians, um, the physician offices, they're saying the same thing. Can you get me some medical assistance and can you get them to me sooner? Can you tell us what the medical assistant would do? Right. They Most often you will find them, whether it be in the hospital setting or with a physician, providing direct assistance. So direct assistance could come in a number of forms, depending upon what the operation is. You oftentimes see them, whether it be working directly with the patient, serving as the liaison, having to have, if you will, those perfect bedside manner skills. They're also the liaison oftentimes in between working from one referral from one physician to the next physician. So making sure that it's a smooth landing for um, the patient. So yeah, that's why they're so critical because they really are um, front facing um, when you think about an operation. So right now you guys are focused on healthcare. So does that mean then as an example, of course you're trying to get the word out, but you're like reaching out to the hospitals, maybe to clinics, like you're literally just targeting everything that involves healthcare. Everything that involves healthcare, whether it be with social media, it's radio, it's a full-fledged campaign. Um, it's on the websites, Florida Health Science Consulting. They're working with us as well as part of our extended training arm. That's where the training will be taking place. So we really have engaged a community model that's going to look at healthcare. And then I'm going to pivot that to looking at other areas like manufacturing, like IT, because again, they all have needs. As a matter of fact, I um, one of our largest um, manufacturing employers here, they're looking at an informal apprenticeship uh, model that they'll be going through this scholarship program as well. They're going to hire them, but they're going to allow them to receive training and be working at the same time. So it's really spurred, hey, here's creativity, innovation, and let's try and create this workforce for this new normal that we're in. I'm wondering how this falls in with restaurant workers, as an example. Restaurants are just hurting for workers. Is there anything that this initiative can do to help that industry? What I'm doing in that area is, of course, working with our partners, Career Source Capital Region. So that's the local workforce board. And looking at, you know, how do we, because even with the challenge with saying, hey, we want workers, employers are also saying we want individuals that have soft skills. We now refer to them as future ready skills, but um, most people will be aware of them as soft skills. So whether that's showing up to work on time, whether that's conflict resolution in the workplace, whether that's, um, you know, time management once you're there, these are all, you know, interpersonal skills. Employers are asking for those too. So I think it's a combination. It's not just a matter of, hey, can I get bodies there? They're also wanting those bodies to come with some um, level of readiness. So our conversation now, just we were meeting um, our talent development council for the community about how do we um, make sure that soft skills are a part of what we're doing. Now, I will tell you, 
10 months ago, TCC launched what's called Future Ready Badging. It's at no cost to the employers at all. And we're doing it in all of our classes. We've infused it in every workforce class that we have or program. It looks at what we're calling those skills so that employers will know that those students are ready now and can state to employers emphatically that we have these skills and we've been certified. Though you see the signs that say now hiring, now hiring, it's with the caveat. They really do want these individuals to have those soft skills so that it's not a revolving door for their business. And I think the other challenge though, there's also this wage bubble. You know, the wage bubble, it's, it's continuously being pushed up, pushed up. So employers are having to pay more for the talent. And then they're asking, what about my quality? Which goes back to, again, soft skills and other pieces. Thanks to Kim Moore with TCC's Workforce Innovation. Did you change jobs or make another big life decision during the pandemic? Let us know by hitting us up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you for joining us for the Perpetual Pandemic Podcast. For WFSU Public Media, I'm Gina Jordan.